And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 285 of This Old Marketing, recorded on Thursday, August 19th, 2021. And with me, as always, my good friend, my colleague, and a coach who would have never cut Tim Tebow, Mr. Joe Polizzi. Did that happen? That's right. Oh, yeah, it happened. It happened. Mr. Tebow is no longer a Jacksonville Jaguar. So he's going to go back to the to the booth and do some... I- SEC play-by-play, or what is he doing? He should be a... You know what he should be? Is he should be... uh, Or, right, or some sort of model. I mean, dude is cut. I mean, he is You got a little Tim Tebow crush? Has he got a man crush on Tim Tebow? I do not. I can just make (laughs) observations, my friend. I can just make observations. I can just make observations. The, you know... I mean, look, it was... It was not going to happen, you know, for him. There's just no way. And then did you see, well, I don't think you did, but they they showed him playing in the first preseason game, and he was just not good. I mean, he was just he, not Well, here's, not the, here's the thing. If, if he would have made the transition immediately from quarterback to, let's say, tight end, which I think that there's there is a spot for him somewhere on the team i think he would have had something but being gone for whatever it was three four years yeah that's tough well no not three or four uh seven oh my god i'm I so believe. old yeah. i can't yeah <laughs> I yeah i remember anything yeah. anymore yeah so uh I mean, normally in a in a like five years ago i would have said well, probably the brown should get him we're nah. looking okay now. We, we might not need no, you, you, Mr. Yeah, right. You've got a, to, You have an actual team. You don't need Mr. Tabo. Oh, my God. The yeah. entire city of Cleveland is so excited. This is crazy. It should be. It's crazy. And I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried, Robert. I got to tell you, I think everyone is just, they've got Super Bowl or nothing in their head. Oh, and, see, that's the wrong attitude to have. Well, you know what? They, I, maybe they don't. Maybe I'm projecting. I just don't want anybody to get too excited. I want to say, oh, you know, we got Kansas City first week, and we'll see how it goes, and yeah, we'll see right. if the offense comes together. We got a lot of new pieces on defense. We'll see how that goes. A lot of youth. I just want to take it one game at a time. Put put each shoe on separately. Whatever. That, <laughs> what is it? One well, one pant leg at a time. Whatever that uh, expression is. Something. You can bring a pant leg to water, but you can't put a shoe on left-handed. I don't know yeah. what it is. It's something something mixed. So that is for we've, sure. Uh, on another note, we've had some very big changes in the Polizzi household. Uh oh. We uh, we dropped off our youngest at the University of Kentucky yesterday. He is no more. He does not live here anymore. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So <clears throat> the nest is literally empty. It. I. I I am torn. I already miss him. Uh, I do. It's it's tough because two days ago I wanted to throw him through the window <laughs> because he w- you missed that pounding up the stairs and the jumping up and down. It's the it's the, <laughs> it's the one or two o'clock in the morning on video games yeah. that he's playing and whatever right. the tap tapping <laughs> and the what whatever he's got going on with his games, but. Uh, it's interesting with my youngest and and you know him very well he's he's a little me and we get into what some people would think are arguments but it's our that's how we talk to each other so we will we will argue and play devil's advocate about all kinds of issues and you know i i i don't have anyone (laughs) lost my friend so i yeah i'm i'm but i'm so excited for him I hope he understands what a great opportunity it is, and I hope he. Oh, I'm goes sure. And, if anybody well, does, he does. I, I mean, you have two great boys. I mean, th- those those kids are, you know, those are the kind of kids that you dream about, right? I mean, they're just they're just great boys. Well, you've only they, seen they them they totally at their understand. best too. You, I mean, you, you're well, you're of biased. course they're their you're, best you're, when they're around yeah, me. They I mean, because I'm because <laughs> I mean, that's you, you know. <laughs> Yeah, but it's fun. So I mean, I was trying to think of 
And what what do you do as a dad when your kid is going off to college? Like, what do you say? And I was thinking about what that moment would be. The one I and I didn't want that. I didn't want to put so much pressure on that moment. So I wrote both of them a very lengthy letter from their father, and it ended up being a very long blog post, uh, thirty five <laughs> points, and. I hope they read it, and I hope I'm sure they're going to look at it and like, oh, geez, Dad, are you kidding me? The top 35 reasons you should love your dad. No, I I wanted to, I put in things like clickbait. Well, I I put in things that I, I wish somebody told me this before I went into college. I right. I I hope you consider doing these things, and most of it's just around living your best life, uh, looking out for other people. You know, and I, and, but I, I did give the opportunity to say, you know, you are kind, you're so kind, you're so talented, you know, I just want you to lean into those things, go, you have, you know, go break things, go find new experiences. Um, so we'll see. It's, it's, uh, it was probably, it, it, I'm sure it was great. I, you know, I don't know. It's, it, it'll, that's no, great. It, it's it, a, just the fact that you did it is great. I mean, that's, you know. I don't know. Those are the kinds of things that they will cherish forever. That's the kind of thing where, you know, they will literally make an NFT out of that because there can only be one of a kind of those things. I mean, it's those are the I mean, I I still have one of those from my grandfather. I mean, I've got many notes that he sent me um and one of them that I've talked about before is is on my, you know, on my uh my shelf and framed and and I look at it every I'm looking at it right now. And so those are the kinds of things that kids will cherish for forever. So it's it's great that you did that. It's uh, some of these things <laughs> these things are so crazy. I'm just yeah. I'm looking at the one that I'm going to give uh, my oldest next week cuz they cuz he goes off. We we become empty nesters in a really quick period of time. It was supposed to happen, you know, in subsequent years, but it's happening a week apart because of uh, of covid and all that stuff but i i've like what, what sure, i have yeah. uh this is number 18 if you're at a party always get your own drink you know like things like that like don't don't leave what, your drink what the hell what the, wait, wait a minute hold, hold on yeah. you know wait, yeah if you, no i'm, I'm right. serious I, these are things that i think about you know I, if you're if you're moving around take your drink with you never leave it the, lying around for people to things. do something with i mean come on you this is just basic information that i do, that i think it's if you're 18 good, yeah you don't no know. it's good helpful safety tip there's no doubt about that right <laughs> most of them are more loving but yeah okay. but there are a few just hot takes that unless alcohol abuse right yes <laughs> <laughs> now and now i have to make some changes to this yeah so uh yeah yeah and whatever. When you're getting an umbrella drink, make sure the umbrella doesn't fall into the glass. That's a thing, you know. I mean, most, <laughs> I, know it's most I would say that that advice probably is giving, given to women, young women, more than young men. Oh, for sure. But, absolutely it is. But, and, and for good reason. Yes, absolutely. But it's, but it's true for everybody. True. I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's just a good, helpful, you know. It's, <laughs> it, <laughs> you don't even know how to respond. Like, what? What the uh, heck? You know, it just, I mean, it's just like, well, if you're going to go down that road, I mean, so, you know. That's why there's 35 yeah. points. Okay. So. All right. So anyways, just to wrap up this wonderful conversation that everyone's bored with already, uh, we, we dropped him off at the University of Kentucky. Uh, we drop off my, um, my oldest at Mercyhurst in Erie, Pennsylvania. He's studying in cybersecurity. Um, so, there, so there you have it. That's um, yeah. And by the way, I do have to say, University of Kentucky, their move-in process was as efficient as I think you could be. I, I, it was so you you knew exactly where to go. They had people lining the whole way. They had you couldn't park on any of the streets. You you were just there for move-in. You moved up right. your car next to two tables. You put everything on those tables. Somebody went and parked the car, and then there were helpers to take all your stuff put them into um, grocery carts and take them up to your room and done it. Oh, that's it, brilliant. It literally took five minutes to get his stuff from the car up to his seventh floor dorm room. That's it. That's fantastic. Yeah. So I love that. That's fantastic. I mean, when, 
when stuff starts to actually work in this environment, I mean, as we talked about last week, you know, and how travel is really broken for business travelers right now, you know, to hear something like that is really refreshing. It's, uh, it was unbelievable. I, I was trying to think of some place that they missed it, but they didn't. It was, well, I was yeah. expecting more time. We were supposed to move in at 2.30 in the afternoon. We got there at 2, and we were all done. Everything was where it needed to go. Everything was put away. It was 2.35, and I'm like, okay, well, let's, and we just left him there. <laughs> <laughs> we just left him bye. there. Bye. We just, bye. Bye. Yeah, see ya. <laughs> Don't, yeah, take your drink with you if you go to a party. See ya. <laughs> yeah. Love you. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, anything going on with uh, you before we talk about uh, nothing news? nearly that exciting? That is for sure. Um, although I have my drink with me, so I'm feeling pretty good about oh. that. Um, yeah. No, we've just been really. It's been a busy, busy summer, um, which is you know I'm just have all kinds of gratitude for. But you know, we we continue to soldier on and and try and evolve and deal with all the world things that are happening right now and and um you know and just try and see where you know see where the light at the end of the tunnel is for for exactly. so many for so many you know. things uh, so. But, well before we get started i i yeah. this is not an affiliate link this i'm not being paid to give you this product idea but for whatever reason uh my my two children gave me a present as they were leaving and it was it's called the ember coffee cup have you ever heard of this oh yeah of course my wife has one yeah we've had three of them in fact this is yeah. the greatest invention ever it keeps it she loves it, it. she loves so her. basically for those of you that don't know it keeps your coffee or drink or whatever at the exact temperature that you want it at all times so i'm i have a cup of coffee right now it is at 135 degrees exactly and it stays that temperature uh and it's it plugs in and it it's amazing i i didn't yeah. know this existed it's... and i i could not imagine a greater sign of love from my kids <laughs> than them getting me this coffee cup so oh yeah it's great my wife i mean again we've had three of them because she wears them out i mean literally every single day she uses them and that's the one critique I have of the product is that, quite frankly, it it wears out. You're going to find that it wears out pretty quick if you use it every day. Like what's you know, just pretty charging quick? it, recharge. Uh, six months. I think hers usually last around four to six months. Oh, that's going to be the, before, devastating. Before the battery life gets unacceptable, right? Before before you're like, hey, I'm just not halfway done with my coffee and the battery's already out. You know, and then one other time we had. Um, we had one that the the little plate that it sits on to charge. Yes. Um, if that if if that gets that can often get like sort of tweaked where it doesn't charge correctly. So it just you know it's 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 new technology and it's 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 good. It's it's a really great product. But you know you you, you go through. Okay, them. so it's, if, you, if, it's, you, if you use it's eight nineteen twenty twenty one. This is the yeah. third time I'm using it. So yep. I will do an update. We'll figure out how long it lasts. Right now, we're at 100% capacity. Everything is great. It is the greatest <laughs> experience I've ever had with a cup of coffee. And we will we will go from there. Fantastic. So, <laughs> I'm a little concerned now, so, though, that my battery's going to yeah. die. Then, yeah. then it's going to be even worse. Because I'm going to be holding a cup of coffee. and Well, that's what my wife came She came to expect this amazing cup of coffee every day that would stay warm for hours and it started to go down and down and down and it became worse than not having one at all because she couldn't have her cup right and she's like she couldn't go back you can't go back to a regular cup you've got to get another one at one point we thought about getting two so that she would she could trade them out so you know brilliant it's, it's you know hashtag the struggle is, struggle real. is real there you go yeah. Yeah. yeah all right all right shall we to the news well, folks, the first, uh, it's the dog days of August here, and so the news is a little slow, but we have some interesting stuff to talk about here. The first article that we'll talk about comes to us courtesy of the New York Times. Um, I absolutely loved this story. Uh, big hat tip here to, and I'm going to mispronounce your name, I'm just going to tell you already, Pieter uh, Van Digel. That's how I'm going with it. Um, I'm, my apologies for my American accent. Uh, he is P. Van Degel on 
uh, Twitter. And so thank you, Pieter, um, for uh, sending this over. This The headline is, uh, you've never heard of the biggest digital media company in the U.S. Red Ventures has turned very specific advice into very big business. And so the article opens up by saying, Lindsay Turrentine, which is a great name, by the way. It's a great detective novel name. Uh, Lindsay Turrentine <laughs> uh, first heard of Ventures last fall when she brought her cigarettes to her lips. No, anyway, uh, when it brought the venerable tech news site CNET, where she is the senior vice president in charge of content. She sat down at her kitchen table in Berkeley, California, and frantically started Googling to find out what it was. Her experience wasn't uncommon. People working in the tourism guide, Lonely Planet, the travel site, the points guy, health and medical information site, Healthline, were similarly blindsided in recent years when Red Ventures bought up special interest publications in a multi-billion dollar shopping spree. Their Googling and then, of course, the mandatory corporate retreats led them to the company's South Carolina headquarters, a 180-acre campus with a cluster of modern buildings, a fire pit, a six-lane bowling alley, uh, pickleball courts, and 264 residences for employees who choose to live where they work. Red Ventures, which started as a digital marketing company, has attracted serious investments from private equity, uh, helping uh, obscure what is perhaps the biggest digital publisher in America, a 4,500-employee juggernaut with roughly $2 billion in annual revenues, uh, a conservative valuation of more than $11 billion, and more readers, as measured by Comscore, than any media brand you've ever heard of, an average of 751 million visits every Month And the article goes on to talk about the CEO, uh, who is uh, very charismatic and and all of that. And basically, the article is a very, very wonderfully uh, placed, earned media from their PR company, I'm sure. Um, Because it is a puff piece, for sure. But it's absolutely interesting because, and here's my quick take, and I would love to get yours, Joe, is, is that this is a content marketing company platform just perfectly perfectly evolved the evolved media company where their revenue model which is of course they have advertising and all those kinds of things across their many 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 publications but more importantly and the article points this out is their ability to keep people in the ecosystem and actually sell products so for example they use the uh example of you know users and visitors coming to Healthline and then they slowly and start to, you know, persuade them to move over to HealthBridge, uh, which is basically uh, a place where you can search for doctors and search for, you know, other types of, uh, you know, other types of medical uh, advice. And of course, they charge the doctors the ability to get into a listing there. And so they're monetizing that as a product. And so, and and that also includes, by the way, product sales of other things like fishing line and, you know, for fishing enthusiasts and all sorts of things. They're basically building a media plus products and services company that keeps everybody into an ecosystem. And I mean, it's just, it's, it's killing marketing. It's, it's content marketing. It's the perfect evolved media company. And I just, I just love it for that. It's. This is one of those articles that you just, you're right, it's sort of a puff piece, but you just have to read it. So I just recommend looking at it because of a couple things. First of all, this is, you know, hindsight is 20. We don't know where this whole thing is going, but this is happening more and more. We, we, we're we talking about this as, oh, this is one of the biggest media companies you've never heard of. But this is going to be the rule and not the exception, I think. This is the kind of business. There's a couple things that uh, Rick Elias, I believe, is the CEO. By the way, I didn't realize he was one of the ones that was on the um, Hudson plane, Miracle on the Hudson plane, which was an right. interesting yeah. thing. And I guess he talks about that a lot. But he's got a, this, he says, is, is really important. I think we're a 20-year-old company that is still figuring out what we're going to be. By the way, that's a content-based business because once you build an audience, you can sell all kinds of things. And that's what they're doing. That's exactly what you're saying. Like they're selling credit cards and they're matching up uh, your health visits and they're doing all kinds of things. They've got the points guy and they've got um, CNET and they've got all kinds of stuff that they you'd never think that this is kind of the, the company behind it. The other thing that I think is really important and they talk about it not enough in this article, but they they talk a little bit about this type of model is our defense against Amazon or the Amazons of the world. 
where uh, you've got all these walled gardens that are setting up uh, where you've got Google and you've got Facebook and Microsoft and they're all trying to build on their, their own fiefdoms. But then you have a company like Red Ventures where it can exist outside of that third-party data wall, if you will, and you can create your own first-party machine. I love this. Also, the fact that they purchased all these. I mean, they they put this together. They this yeah. this is all you know. Obviously, a lot of venture capital money behind it. But I I believe that if you are a mar- if you're listening to this and you're a marketer in a mid-sized technology company or you're a media company, you should look at this model and say, oh. We have opportunities, maybe not on this scale. Maybe you're you're not going to buy a you know a hundred million dollar property uh, like uh, like Red Ventures does, but you can buy some of these niche properties and get to where you need to get quicker because of acquisition and not just waiting for it to come to you. I I mean this is just one of those times where we have to be aggressive in the next two years two to three years probably really really aggressive the payoff will be five to six years uh but they've they've got this right i'm there was a little bit what did you feel about the conversation about some of the content sort of being on the borderline between church and state yeah i think that's a valid conversation you know i think uh, i'll make two points there one is there and what what Joe is alluding to is is that the, the at the toward the end of the article they talk a little bit about how some of the journalism on some of the sites that they have acquired uh, most pointedly they point to the the points guy um, where some of the content might be a little more you know salesy or persuadey. Um, yeah, get this American. Yeah, get journalism. this Capital One card type of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And so that's an obvious and natural tension that exists right now, um, because one of the things I was going to point out actually was how they have managed the portfolio really interestingly, going for the high value, high margin types of affiliate, you know, products and marketing. So for example, instead of sending somebody over to buy a lawnmower or something like that, which might have a very low affiliate fee where you've got to get just hundreds of thousands of people to do that, rather you do it with a you know Chase Sapphire card or an American Express card, which is going to give you a bounty or an affiliate fee of like $300 and $900 Did you see that? Card. Do you believe that? Yeah. It's cr- Could you it's imagine the amount of money that. that they're making if they're moving cards you know if you're if you're selling yeah. 100 cards a day or something oh my gosh all profit yeah, it's, too. it's 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 yeah it's insane it's insane because that that is immediate i mean you that's immediately made up in the fee that the user pays to become a member of that card anyway the the so the cost per acquisition for american express is like fine we're to work they'll do that all day long right you know so so uh, anyway, but the, the 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 tension there is 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 a great one, and we've actually you know seen it on the other side in the marketing world. You know, um, uh, our friend uh, uh, at uh, Electronics, um, Aero Electronics, um, where they started acquiring all of these magazines and engineering magazines, and you know have acquired fifty three you know of the engineering magazines out there and created a separate company to to you know let them run like they're going to run and basically use it as a you know as a data play to be able to you know raise up all the you know tides uh, of the water of electrical engineering so that they basically keep their total addressable market active and interested in making new electronics things and so if you inspire that maker community, what do they need? They need electronics components, and thus that's the equation for why you would you know subsidize basically all of these consumer uh, and electronical uh, electronic engineering magazines. But even they felt like eh, okay, there's pressure, right? There's pressure from marketing and sales to say, hey, let's let's you know let's 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 do this a little harder. Let's let's get a little more direct ROI. Let's and I think to a degree. That's a healthy thing. It really it, it it is it is up to the business to be careful about how you do that, um, and that tension there and that argument should kind of exist all the yes. time because it's the balance that's important, and and it's when one becomes imbalanced for the short term profits or short term gains 
that it provides. And this, by the way, this is a great lesson, you know, in gating content for marketers or in how quickly do you put a, you know, sales guy in front of a, a in front of a prospect who's downloaded a white paper. All of that is a balance of how quickly do you get to how much X would you like to buy today? And that balance is is faced by every company today that's starting to introduce content marketing into it. And so I think at a at a at a at a surface level anyway, I really like the 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 healthy tension there. And I don't mind that because it's obviously them sort of trying to balance the news story a little bit. Um, and so you know you you we'll see, right? You know, I mean, we've there are plenty of cautionary tales out there of. We used to tell the story in the workshop of, uh, I can't remember which uh, beverage company it was. It, it wasn't A&B, um, but it was another one of the big beer companies that bought, purchased one a great microbrew review site. And instead of just sort of quietly buying it and folding it in and funding it and making it a thing, they made a huge deal out of it, a huge press release out of it, and really just over blew the whole, we're going to change the world with this thing. And basically their entire audience went, nope, and noped out and unsubscribed, and they basically killed the site by doing it. That's, you know, that's obviously <laughs> a pothole in our cautionary road here. So I, it's that is that tension there, and I, I think to, to, to a certain degree it's helping. Well, in, in our electronics case, they created a separate entity. That housed right. all the publications. So basically, it's not just the marketing department for Aero Electronics. It's actually a separate division of Aero Electronics. Right. And that's right. how they the revenue line yeah, and that's everything. how they yeah, managed exactly. the church state opportunity because you actually have to go through a whole separate company. And they felt that that was the best way to do it. I honestly don't know. I don't know if that's necessary. I think maybe at the time, you know, this is six, seven years ago when they started doing this. Maybe that's the case. But I think you're right. Every company right now on the face of the earth, media or not, goes through the same question. And you have to look at if if you put out content that is going to erode trust in some way, you are going to kill your business. So you have yep. to make sure that, first of all, every piece of content is biased from every company on the planet. In one way or another, we do our best not to of be, course. but it is. But you have to make sure that you're not saying something that's not true or not core to the culture of your organization. So, or just killing your golden goose, right? I mean, it's that's the moral of the story is is that you know you 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 know you there is a flow of money coming out of X site, right? You know, for them, points guy, right? Which is a fantastic site, you know, a fantastically, you know, these days it's been a little, you know, a little slow, obviously, because of the business travel thing. But, but points guy was a guy subscribed, I looked at the site all the time, and read the articles there, they're fantastic. And if they're getting a high conversion rate over to uh, Chase or American Express to get credit card applications done and earning $300 to $900 per application, um, that's, you know, that's fantastic revenue model the immediate inclination is do more of that and feed you know rocket the you know basically rock the slot machine and make it pay out more often and at a certain point that goes away and it doesn't go away slowly it goes away in one big you know fall and then you've ruined that trust with that audience and it doesn't come back so you've just got to be really really balanced about it and and you know and, and you know it will be interesting to see because I've actually watched companies do this as well where they run the golden goose and then they just kill it throw it away and get the next one right and that's you know with one of the things we have to be watchful for is sort of the disposable brand idea right where you build up a brand you milk it for all it's worth and then just throw it and build a new one and that's starting to happen too and you know with media companies especially um, and so you've got to be careful because it's the same people. Um, and so, but it, you know, with a different logo and a different, you know, idea and a different, this, it all of a sudden looks different, feels different. And so that trust is something that I think, um, can't, you know, or shouldn't be eroded. I think the last thing I'd say on it is we talked about this last episode a bit about the revenue opportunities from the media site and what's what's interesting if you look at red ventures how and of course a lot of high value affiliate revenue coming in 
but they've got advertising and subscriptions and events and webinars. Of course, the whole everything thing, else right? too. Yeah, and yeah. this is what I would for our wonderful marketing listeners out there. This is the challenge right now. Is we're you're you're generally creating your content marketing in order to push a product or push a KPI behind a product or a service that you already have. And the challenges and where we need to go as marketers is to say, this is bigger. This is bigger than just the product you're selling. It's very tough to do this, by the way, if, if you're reporting to a VP of marketing and sales that has numbers to hit. But at the same time, you have to think that this thing could be the engine behind your entire innovation in the organization. A lot of people, a lot of marketers don't think about that right now. And this is That's this right. is where Red Ventures is at. The right now, what did you say? Two billion in revenues, eleven billion valuation, or whatever. What could, what can they sell in the next six months? They could pretty much sell anything, anything they want, right? And exactly that's the right. thing that I think we get lost on. It's the whole Amazon thing, where you know Amazon just sold books for the first three years. Now Amazon sells everything. This is when you build an audience. You can sell lots of things. You can generate revenue in lots of different ways. Your audience will support you in many different ways. It's not just the end-all, be-all of the product you're selling right now, which is, by the way, again, it's very hard to get past that. But that's where we're going, and that's what, what I use to remind me when we're looking at our business model is I look at 3M. And I look at 3M, and, I, and you know, 50% of their revenue comes from new products, Within what you you I think you gave me this study in the last like three years, fifty percent of their revenue is new products. They're always creating yeah. new products. They're never just for yeah sure they've got some great ones, but again, we even with Scotch tape and all the other stuff that they have, they they still creating a ton on new products. That's the way every company is going to go, and we and that's yep. that can be driven from our relationship with our audiences. Yeah. That's exactly it. And they'll tell you. They'll they'll if you have a trusted audience, they will tell you before you make the product. This is, you know, I mean we've talked about Lego before, right? I mean where where they have that entire platform where you can go out and they'll crowdsource votes and they'll say, "Here's product ideas we have and then you can submit your own product ideas and the ones that get the most votes of like we'll buy this, they'll oh make God. it." <laughs> so, so, you know, and you're doing it now in uh, you know, with Tilt Right. Going out to your audience and saying, hey, listen, if you know, if you want a new you and by the way, you should totally do this. You should make a tilt branded ember coffee mug. Now, how good is that? Oh, my gosh. I didn't think about that. We were just focusing on a coffee mug. But now I want. That's right. Ember. The coffee sure. mug. You want the tilt. Get it with the ember and the oh, tilt and the whole man. thing. Yeah. But it only lights up orange. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean to your you to your point, we're working on our, you know, our tilt coin benefits in our Discord group, and I like our benefits, but I just went out and asked. I'm like, well, what benefits should should we have? And got some amazing feedback. And yeah. I'm like, wow, I didn't think about that. And, what, and you're right. It's just like that's the value of having an audience. And the thing is that that audience wants to give you feedback because they actually want to buy certain things from you. You just have right. to ask That's the question. That's exactly right. We have to build the audience it's, first it's, to build the community first. When you build when you build the fans, they will they will construct your product strategy That's exactly for you. That's right. That's true. That is true. That's how content marketing world happened, by the way. Content marketing world would have yeah. never happened unless there was just so many of our audience that says said, Hey, isn't there a big content marketing event? And you and I were like, No. <laughs> There's <laughs> not. Right. Maybe we should do that. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. Now we have to go that do we, one. Yeah. And we did. <laughs> it was yeah. so funny. God. We'll be right back. Starting a business can be overwhelming. And a great way to make it simple is to go step by step. The Dot Online Business Academy offers simple, easy to follow, and completely free courses to help you find a business idea, create a business plan, build a website, and more. The short videos, bonus activities, and resources give you everything you need to take your business up and running. Hosted by industry experts such as Ryan Folan, Jason Falls, and Kim Garst, these courses also come with interesting activities and exciting prizes. For more information, visit academy.get.online. That's academy.get.online. And now, back to the show. 
Absolutely. All right. Moving on to our. So here's the sort of punchline, if you know, or sort of corollary story here um, that sort of says, okay, but what's the end game? Um, This is going to come to us from the Press Gazette, the future of media. My first time ever to see. Yeah, me too. I I was not aware of Uh, this. I, it's, it's pressgazette.co.uk, so it's a UK-based, uh, uh, I guess, business for the most part, publishing business um, magazine. Um, love the title. Uh, anyway, the article, the headline here is Future, which is a UK-based company. Look them up. Cool name. Um, Future buys the weak publisher Dennis Publishing for £300 million. Um, that is uh, a big number for Dennis Publishing. And they purchased it away from the private equity company that had owned Dennis Publishing previously. Future said the deal would expand its reach in the U.S., build upon its subscription revenue strategy, and deepen its presence in the wealth, knowledge, and B2B technology verticals. Future chief executive Zilla Bing Thorne uh, said the deal will accelerate our strategy, enhance our content capabilities, and bring additional geographical and vertical revenue diversification. Boy, that is the most CEO <laughs> quote I've ever seen in my life. Um, accelerate our strategy, enhance our content capabilities, and bring additional geographical and vertical revenue diversification. She never said that. She never said that. I guarantee you she never said that. Because the next one is whilst, whilst materially increasing the proportion of recurring revenues across the group. No, she did not I say that. I think she that. said it PR just like that. wrote that. I, I do Her not name is Zilla. she said that. Zilla says whilst. Oh, Zilla says whilst, for sure. However... Or is it that wild? She didn't string all those words together in a in it's that tight of a sentence. Anyway, I'm trying to envision the owner from from Ted Lasso would be whilst, yeah. whilst material. Okay, no whilst. Is it whilst? Whilst, or whilst? whilst materially increasing the proportion of recurring revenues across our. I think group. it depends on what titles part in- of Great Britain you're from. Sorry. Oh well, of course, <laughs> of course it does. Yes, I mean there are regional dialects for sure. Anyway. We'll go through it. Uh, Exponent, which was the PE company which had previously created uh, media, Immediate Media and Gorkana Group, bought out Dennis Publishing from the estate of its founder, Felix Dennis, for an undisclosed sum in 2018. Now, you may remember Dennis Publishing because Joe and I talk about it a lot, um, and we certainly talk about it in Killing Marketing because Dennis Publishing is the publishing company that published all those audio auto enthusiast magazines for so many years and then ultimately bought a car dealership uh, and finance. Um, so they sell they actually sell the cars now as well as finance a, a automobiles. Case stu- by the way, a created- case study in the book Killing Marketing, by the way. Yes. That's right. That's right. And so it's uh, one of those, you know, content marketing stories that are so successful there. So anyway, the article goes on to talk a little bit more about the acquisition and what futures plans are for all of this. And it also breaks down in a really interesting way. I think the the revenues of Future, another media company on the grow here um, from the UK and coming into the US here. So uh, fascinating case study story about acquisitions and what can happen once these evolved media businesses get to some size. I am in love with this chart (laughs) that they have in this. So basically there's two charts in here that I probably will print out and and study for some time. One is uh, future is it's futures revenues soar following the company's expansion. So from 2005 to 2016, was basically peeling back some things, getting out of certain businesses, really trying to build up for this future expansion. And in 2016, there's this chart of, what is this, 20 companies, 20, over 20 companies they purchased? Yeah. Yeah. Four and 16, right. two and 17, four and 18, four and 19, one and 20, and three so far in 2021 that they purchased. This right. is just, I mean... Love this company. I absolutely love what they're doing because, again, I, I I feel like I'm repeating myself, and I am. But they are taking advantage right now of of basically money being not costing anything. So it's I mean it's the story I I remember it was three weeks ago. I listened to the Elon Musk interview uh, with Kathy Wood, 
and it was on YouTube for free. And Elon was talking about the importance of using you know fiat dollars right now because of the fact that if you wanted to put it into a European bank, you're making negative interest rate. It's actually costing you money to put it into a bank. Right. And money, if you wanted to actually you know take out a loan right now, if you can get a loan, you're, which you know let's say most solid companies will be able to get a loan right now, it's costing you nothing. You may even consider, oh, okay, well, I'm going to use the cash that I have to go ahead and make a larger percentage on some other investment and then take out debt to go buy all these media companies. I'm assuming that's what Future's doing. So anyways, just incredibly smart to take advantage about what's going on right now. And there's a lot for sale. There's a lot of really good companies for sale. And, and it's cooled off just a little bit. I don't know if you agree with this, Robert. Seems to be that... Two, three months ago, we were blazing fire, and we're still on fire here, but it's not going crazy. Um, it seems to be maybe maybe we're moving a little bit down from the bubble, but I see this happening for, for quite a bit more time. Uh, yeah, I think we've, I, I think so many things in the world right now, you know, have people's attention that there's a little bit of caution right now in terms of the, the general emotion of the market, you know, is sort of like, well, we thought we were done with all of this stuff, right? But we're not, and so people are. I think people, there's a there's a bit of caution in the in the air, right about now. But what I actually do see is the desire to put work energy into this, right? So there is a lot of focus I'm seeing in brands all over the place of saying, let's not do what we did in 2020, which was to sort of, you know, pull the covers up over our head and you know listen to the radio and sort of cry ourselves to sleep it's like no 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 let's roll up we're going to be cautious about what we're doing now and investments we're making but let's roll up our sleeves and get the real work done because that that's that's really happening that's that's what i'm that's my observation well i mean uh, the the amount of small and and let's get away for a second of some of these multi-million dollar almost billion dollar deals there are five figure six figure deals going on right now that are there that we we need to be looking at as as marketers or as small media companies um i mean it's just it just it just amazes me the amount and and i get it it's natural especially for marketers and you know this you work with them every day they always want to create we got to do it ourselves we got to create our own thing i mean maybe they're working with an agency but it's got to be theirs and i'm always like why Let's go. Why do I have to? Why should we spend 18 to 24 months in building an audience when I can have one tomorrow with cash that's sitting right next to me that I'm not using? Right. But you have to make the case to the CFO. That's, I think that's the chance. What have you, have you run into this situation? Like, are are marketers talking more to the financial groups to set this up? No, they're not. I didn't think so. No. No, 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 no. It's right now, it is. Basic blocking and tackling. Nobody's going to their CEO. No marketer that I know is going to their CEO or their CFO saying, "Well, <laughs> except for one company, and we talked about them last week." Um, there are no, there are no marketers I know going to their CEOs and saying, "Hey, listen, we should, uh, you know, we should, we should basically look at acquiring, you know, a media platform." Last week's news, you know, may change some of that because that is a fully marketing and event driven evolution for Salesforce. And it, it is, you know, I mean, yeah, you know, just watch. I mean, they're, they're going to have to acquire somebody in, in the, in the near future. They the have thing to. that killed me about the Salesforce stuff when Benioff was talking about the valuation of media companies, remember not too long ago when we would talk about the valuation of media companies as being terrible. Like, we don't want this media brand because it'll bring down the valuations of our tech company. Well, here's tech company now saying, I want to bring up the valuation of my tech company by adding media. Right. That's That's right. Nuts. That happened in a really short period of time. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's it's fascinating how it's been, it's it's sort of a, uh, it's sort of a, you know, the tale of two cities, right? You know, where you've got, you know, media sort of, coming up in value and you've got tech companies being commoditized down um 
you know, and much of it because of the democratization of technology, there's so little that is differentiating right now in terms of innovation. It's just, you know, it, tech companies are finding ways to differentiate and the ways that they're differentiating is becoming a multi-revenue platform company. And, you know, uh, you know, Amazon's not differentiating on tech. I mean, it's certainly growing because of its tech with Amazon Web Services and the technology behind its e-commerce engine and all of those kinds of things. But it's differentiating and diversifying and growing because it's growing in the media business. And that is a, a fascinating trend. Well, who, who knew that you could differentiate through content? I didn't know. I didn't I, know this was who, a thing. I, I, so I have no idea. Nuts. I had no idea. For, I'm just new a for little, me. I'm, I'm just learning. Lost. I'm just. <laughs> I'm just a peapod, <laughs> learning things. Okay. Oh goodness. <laughs> do we? Oh, do we have goodness. any? What? What did we have left? Do we have? Well, here we have. I'm going to give you the choice, chef's choice. Here we can talk about uh, the the New York Times story, or we can talk about the uh, the the more information on the great. Oh, let's just do, do the quick um, New York Times thing because I still think yeah. that people don't don't believe what's going on in email. So let's just do that. Uh, sure, absolutely. So this co- this also comes to us uh, not through the New York Times through Adweek. Uh, another great example of trying to find a source of this story that didn't make me either subscribe or give my firstborn child away in terms of data. Um, but anyway, by the way, by the way the story we should op- note, really, really good opportunity right now is the not gate, not gate yeah. your content. It's so difficult yeah. to find or a site today. At least some of it, at least some of it. It doesn't have to be binary folks, like either all or nothing. Anyway, get yeah, off on a yeah. rant. Um, this article brought to you by Adweek, um, and the, basically the headline is the New York Times has debuted 18 subscriber-only newsletters. They've threatened to be a competitor to Substack, and here they go. Uh, rumors have swirled for months, says the article opening, that the New York Times was working on a newsletter project to combat external pressure from platforms like Substack, and this morning, the publisher unveiled it. The Times announced on Thursday that it would be launching a suite of 18 new and existing subscriber-only newsletters, including seven entirely original opinion newsletters, eight formally free newsletters, and three formally free opinion emails. Uh, The program begins on August 16th, which would have been this week. Uh, Our suite of opinion newsletters will explore complex issues that matter most to our readers across topics like race, economics, language, technology, and more, said opinion leader Kathleen Kingsbury in a statement. And the article goes on to talk through uh, the details of what this new thing is, including the fact uh, that um, they felt like they were blindsided a little bit by Substack um, and wanted to basically get some of their top writers um, embedded into the New York Times. And this is one way to actually get that. What do you think? Oh, I I think it's smart uh, because you have, if, if you are a prolific writer for the New York Times, why wouldn't you jump ship? I mean, yes, it, it takes time, whatever, but you'll take some of that audience with you and you get all the spoils and you get, you own your own media company. What I, I don't know if, I don't even know if you know some of the, the, the revenue of the financial model behind this, but what I see happening is they're probably going to, these writers who are creating these probably personality driven in a lot of ways, newsletters for New York Times, I think that they will initially be compensated by, you know, uh, how how are we helping with subscriptions overall and and maybe a piece of the revenue bonus what but I think long term they're going to get an ownership piece. Like you own a I don't know how that looks. It's very complicated to do that, but I could see them getting points on their own newsletter so they get the New York Times behind them, that brand and the engine and the audience development machine to help them. But at the same time, they feel like they've got ownership and then they won't leave. Right. It, I mean, so it's a it's a retention yeah. play as much as it is a revenue play. It, yeah, exactly. How do you keep good talent? Well, okay, I'm going to siphon off this newsletter and this brand in this industry is partially yours. And you get 10% or whatever it is of the spoils of everything. Right. Which I think is really smart to do. It probably doesn't cost New York Times a lot to do it because most of it will be based off of growth. And 
you know, I, by the way, I think that if you are not a media company, you could easily do that kind of model as well. Nice little first download, uh, a, a down payment on whatever it is. Hey, we're going to give you X thousands of dollars to get going, and we're going to get you give you X percent ongoing, and we'll give you bonus payments on growth. Yeah. So. It's a great. It's a, it's. It, I think it's a great move by them, and it and, and to this point, um, you know, I mean, we'll see how they actually execute against it. But on that point, it doesn't. It's one of those things that it it doesn't have to be terribly profitable. It just needs to pay the cost, right? It just needs to uh, allow them to empower and to bring in talent that the you know that otherwise would have gone to sort of just you know. And it's also a cachet, right? I mean, if you're one of these writers who writes, you know, for one of these newsletters, that's a bit of cachet. Instead of writing something that is free and available to everyone, you're you're on a subscription basis, and it you know it, it, it brings a little more strength to the individual brand as well. So it's it's smart from from a lot. Did of you look reasons. at the yeah? Did is, you look at the New York Times results from last week? Did you the financial, the financial results? results? I have not. I have look not at them. them it's interesting. I'm trying to figure it out. They don't expressly say this, but it looks like once you get, once you subscribe to one newsletter, it becomes a gateway drug to significantly increase the yield of that particular reader. So you get them to subscribe to oh, one. I don't doubt that they end, at all. Yeah, they end up yeah, subscribing to many, many, many. This could be another thing. It's like, hey, if we can get somebody from outside to subscribe to this audio, this newsletter that we're not making all that much on, but we know that a subscriber is really, really valuable because long term in six months, nine months, whatever, they'll subscribe to two or three more things, and then they become highly profitable. We saw that at CMI. Yes, we did. We, we, we definitely saw that pattern at CMI where the, you know, if... Uh, I'm forgetting the exact numbers, but it was something like once they did like three things, the number. they were highly, highly likely to do the fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh thing. Well, what what we found right? was so, that it didn't matter which three they were subscribed to. It could be blog, webinar series, podcast, um, magazine. It doesn't matter. They were if they were engaged in three different things that we were doing. Those were our high, highest yielding profitable customers so that's right. what we found so our goal and i've talked to many people about this is our goal was not to just get them to subscribe to the email newsletter it was to move them from the newsletter to two more things yeah because we do right. if we know we got them hooked on three different things and we, we talk about this often like wrapping your customers with content love if you do that then the potential opens up for significant revenue increase from that particular person so and that, folks, is a you know a marketing funnel based idea that you can start to lay over your existing you know uh, you know nurturing programs, right? Because that's exactly what we're talking about here: is nurturing people toward becoming uh, you know becoming a customer in their time, but always increasing your odds. Of becoming, you know, of those things by getting them more involved in what you're doing, and if there's a theme to this show, that's the exact it, which is getting people involved so that they don't want to leave your ecosystem, right? So, giving them not the same story over and over again at every stage of the buyer's journey, but different things at different parts of the buyer's journey, so that you're not repeating yourself. You know, uh, the same thought leadership at the awareness stage and the same thought leadership at the interest stage and the same thought leadership at the try now stage and the same thought leadership. No, wrap them in that content goodness so that they feel part of your ecosystem and don't want to leave for all the things that they're Mm -hmm. interested in. That's the way to make uh, to get better intent as they get deeper into your into your. I always think it's such a missed opportunity when you sign up for let's say a newsletter in this case and they immediately try to pitch you on a product i'm like no send me on a content journey give me some let me let me know like and trust you even more and wait a little bit and if you hold off you could have a customer for life but a lot of people want oh i gotta hit my numbers i gotta do let's let's send it right away 
Right. Or, or, or you get the case study at the first time you meet a company, you get a case study and then you talk to a sales guy and then they tell you about the same case study, but in different words. And then you get a demo and in the demo, they tell you about the same case study again, but only in different words and more technical. And then you get to the buy side and the testimonial they have for you to make your, your buy with the, the contracting group is a testimonial from the case study that you've now seen five times. It's like, that's not the way to do things. That, that, that is that you will get declining results from those ideas. It is to, you have to differentiate even from yourself at different parts of the buyer's journey. Amen. You should put that on a t-shirt. That'd be a long, <laughs> really long t-shirt, but. All right. Let's move to our rants and rave section where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel like, uh, well, we've just been cut by the Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> or make us feel like. We're in the presence of Tim Tebow and his glorious man-sized body. Um, <laughs> you do have a crush on him. I'm just saying. You know, I'm just hey, observing. Um, I have. Uh, do you sure, want me go to go ahead. first, or you go want ahead. to go first? I have a, I have a, a very slight uh, rant and a very uh, glorious rave okay. here. Uh, so let me just. Uh, I'm so my rave. I'll do that first. Um, is a new platform that was launched yesterday, literally yesterday, uh, with uh, T-Brand Studios. And I just want to point this out because it's just, it's just amazing content. And it's, and, and it is sponsored content. So certainly, um, you know, it's, it's core to what T-Brand does. Um, but they have launched a, a new platform called The Soul of Us. Uh, and as they call it, a storytelling journey into the black experience in America. And it is, you know, I'll, we'll link to it obviously in the show notes so you can go check it out. But it is absolutely just stunning work. It's just beautiful, beautiful work um, that, uh, you know, it, it, it just talks about very nuanced, wonderful stories, uh, as they say, to expose the beauty and humanity of black life in America uh, and making way for a shared understanding and shedding light on ultimately what makes black lives truly matter. It's just a it's just a beautiful, beautiful platform. So I just highly, highly recommend you go experience it um, and wanted to just take this opportunity to promote it. And it is, it's sponsored by uh, the uh, Stars uh, oh, television okay. network. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, but very subtle. There's nothing in there that, you know, you would even really associate with Stars. Um, but it's, uh, but it's just fantastic. My very quick rant um is uh, a, a a story that comes from Marketing Dive. Um, I don't even know what to say, honestly. Um, it sort of gets to this, you know. I mean, certainly there's lots to say about what's going on with the the sort of you know mob mentality of cancel culture in some cases, and and, and sort of those kinds of ideas. But this is this is sort of that you know in it in in a very very encapsulated way so you know megan mm -hmm. rapinoe yeah. right the the woman's soccer player um so i guess at some point during the olympics she knelt um and and took a knee um and to protest right and so now there's this story that's coming out in marketing dive where the headline is 45 percent of consumers say subway who is her one of her new sponsors should drop Megan Rapinoe. Um, and the survey I, com conducted by Piplesay, Pip, P-I-P-L-S-A-Y, uh, <laughs> who the hell that is. Um, uh, I, guess it's, I guess it's supposed say. to be Piplesay. People, Piplesay, yeah, get it? Yeah, get yeah. it with the whole Web 2.0, you know, no, no vowels kind of thing? Yeah. Anyway, they found that nearly 45% of U.S. consumers say Subway should respect public sentiment of you know who is what I want to know and drop Megan Rapinoe as a brand ambassador with 36% saying the brand should respect her opinions uh, the US soccer star who appears in Subway's latest ad campaign is facing some backlash after kneeling during the Tokyo Olympics to protest racism uh, consumers are split over whether protest against Subway over the controversy uh, is justified with 38% saying yes, 36% saying no, and 26% saying not sure. The division is starker among gender lines with 61% of men saying protest is justified versus 39% of women. Uh, this is just, the story is nonsense, the idea is nonsense, and it's just, I, I you know, I guess 
in a way, it is a cautionary tale of, of, of where we are right now with influencer marketing and what we're doing with uh, the stars and, and what, you know, the risks that are involved in that. I have to believe that Subway is looking at this and sort of shrugging their shoulders and saying, go away and bother me about something important. Um, but the, the fact that we're even having this discussion is just ridiculous to me. Uh, is just is just a ridiculous, ridiculous thing to me. And so, you know, we've talked about it many, many times on this show before with, you know, Colin Kaepernick and, and, and others that have been canceled out of being sponsors of different brands and brands cutting ties with different um, stars. But this to me is sort of where we, we get to a tipping point of silliness um, of, of, you know, because one, the, the data says nobody cares. And basically, and so even writing a story that say people care is silly. And the the uh, you know I, I'm I'm ju- I'm just going to question the whole data and methodology around people say. <laughs> so just not wanting to throw people say nece- necessary under a bus, but d- 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 it's well. Do you yeah, do you it, fault? Anyway. Uh, let's say marketing dive for covering this. I do a it's little their bit. Number I do one a little bit because here, here it is. So th- you're right. I'm reading through this. It looks like no news to me, but it's their most popular article right now on their site. So yes, of course it is because yes. of the headline, right? And because of who you're talking about. So they're making making this a deal when it's not a deal, correct? And further pushing people off to the sides. Correct. And and honestly, this is the flip side of content marketing, right? Because Pipple says, you know, if you go to Pipple say's site, <laughs> Pipple say, um, I don't know I if I'm saying say. that right or not. I think it's Pipple say. It, 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 it's it's if it's English, it's not <laughs> Pipple say or Pipple say. I don't know if it's English. It's just I'm, I, I'm <laughs> thinking it, that's the In way any, it should be. It should be Pipple say. Anyway. I'm going to call it Pipple okay. say or right. Pipple say. I, I'm Pipple Pipple picked a pepper pup pepper. Um, Anyway, I, you know, the whole thing here is basically a promotional aspect uh, of their of this, you know, celebrity endorsements research that they're that they're doing here, which is, of course, front and center on their website, et cetera. And they're selling research. And I get it. Right. I get that they're going to do this and they're trying. This is content marketing strategy. Right. Do some original research, get people to cover it. And you're you know, away you go and repeat and profit. This is to me. This is this is kind of the the flip side. I don't want to say the dark side, but but the flip side of of content marketing, where we start inventing things to talk about just because they will drive clicks and links and and, and those mm-hmm. kinds of things. So, I guess that's my 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 real rant. Right. Well, here. that's it's uh, rant worthy. Um, I have a very yeah. quick rave. I listened to this podcast yesterday uh, while I was in the the car on the way back from Lexington. This is my first million podcast. I'd never listened to one before. Um, this is the podcast from The Hustle. And uh, ah, okay. basically, The Hustle was purchased by HubSpot. And HubSpot and the guest for this, my first million podcast, is Dharma Shaw, co founder of HubSpot. This is recommended to me. Uh, shout out to Paul Reitzer for saying I should listen to this. And he was right. There's two things specifically to this podcast that was interesting. By the way, yeah, if you want to know what it's like to be a billionaire and make decisions as a billionaire, it's a really good podcast to listen to. But specifically, Darmesh talks about why they purchased uh, Hustle. And really, it's this move to own media. So he talks about how HubSpot needs to move to own media and how important that is. And at the same time, he was talking about how different the hustle's culture was from HubSpot and he didn't see a problem keeping that separate. They're not like forcing integration of these two cultures. They want hustle to remain like they are and go after certain articles and to be more aggressive. And he doesn't see the HubSpot culture like that, but there's not a problem in those two companies coexisting as partners, but just not, you know, mixing all that, that often. So I thought those two things were really interesting. So if you look, if you're thinking about going out and buying a property, you don't necessarily have to push it and force it into everything else you're doing as an organization. Yeah, it is fascinating. fascinating. Definitely oh, worth have to go. I'm yeah, the have first to go 45 minutes. Yeah, I would say first that. 30 minutes mandatory listening. 
Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's good tip. I'm gonna I'm gonna go. Uh, there I'm gonna you go. Check that out yep. for sure. All right. What's up for that's you this it. week? Uh, I'm just now we're getting the next one packed. You know, and that's it. We're done. The kids. No, are gone. no, they're we're not. Done. I got next week. I got <laughs> maybe after I'll say that at, at the next episode. I got one more to yeah. do, so we're getting getting him ready to go. We'll do that whole thing, and then and then right, we'll see. Of course. What about you? What do you got going on? Uh, just heads. I mean, it is it is crunch time here on uh, getting some deliverables done for clients, uh, getting some presentations created. Um, you know, it's hopefully a little bit of slowdown, so I can think about the business a little bit and doing some doing some business stuff and. Trying to get outside and you know into the fresh air and step away from the computer uh, every now and again. So, just uh, keeping the lights on, as gotta, it were. Got to enjoy the uh, the last days here of uh, wonderful summer-like weather. At least we are here in Cleveland. That's Ohio. right. So, there you go. That's right. That's right. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, that is it. If you want to get more goodness, by the way, share this podcast out with your friends, won't you? That it just the more people you can be walking down the street with your headphones on and like oh yeah you're listening to this old market or if you're not you su- or, or if you're not subscribed subscribe or, or follow if you're not on subscribed Spotify. get a subscription yeah, do, do those things get a subscription get Spotify do, do something. something come on don't be a I not mean, doer on. be a doer <laughs> if you want to dive into any of the other 284 episodes just get on over to our website thisoldmarketing.site by the way easy links there to subscribe via any platform that you really uh, want to on. Uh, we want to thank the good folks at Radix for powering our This Old Marketing dot site. If you want your own dot site domain, get over to Radix and you can get your own dot site domain. And until we meet again next week, remember, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. See you again on This Old Marketing.